Exquisitely Hidden by M.J. Granberry, A Sin City Tale. What happens in Vegas? As frontman for the band, everyone's eyes are on me. I bask in the spotlight, but only because it hides the flaws. Everyone has secrets. Mine will ruin everything I've built. My career, my music, my life. But keeping this secret, it's breaking my heart. I knew how we would end before we started, and still I can't resist him. Not everyone will understand, but I do. It's simple. Seth Cody is everything I need when I thought I had it all. So what happens in Vegas? Secrets are revealed. That's exquisitely hidden, a Sin City tale by M.J. Granberry. Go grab it now in Kindle Unlimited. To Love and to Cherish by Rebecca Wilder, a BBW romance, Vegas Vows series. What do you get when you add together Las Vegas, one bachelorette party from hell, and a sexy NFL player? Emma Livingston is in purgatory. She's been dragged to Las Vegas with her cousin and her awful friends for a bachelorette party. So far, she spent the entire time putting up with their mean taunts and side comments, hiding in her hotel room with her Kindle whenever possible. Then she bumps into Declan Mason. Declan, their hometown hero, the NFL god, the guy that she's always had a crush on. When they run into each other again, she can't deny the attraction is still there. When he appears to be just as interested as she is in him, it seems too good to be true. Will Emma trust that this thing between them is the real deal, or will her self-doubts get in the way of the new relationship? Pack your bags and get ready to head to Las Vegas this Valentine's Day. Seven fabulous authors have teamed up to bring you a series of fully standalone novellas that will have your heart racing and will have you panting for more. Join our couples at Cupid's Chapel, where six couples are about to get married this Valentine's Day. What happens in Vegas? Grab To Love, To Cherish by Rebecca Wilder now. It's a BBW romance in the Vegas Vows series. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, we're here. We have a complete... Oh, I cut you off. I'm sorry. It's okay. No. <laughs> I was I like, can't... I'm coming in professional this week. <laughs> <laughs> we have a complete audiobook this week. No teaser. Oh, yeah. that's. I'm glad you announced that at the top because I was just going to be like, tell me about your raccoon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I read this one and it's really good. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. It's got a hero in pursuit and all that jazz, but we'll get to that. We'll get Later. to it in a little bit, but yes, we have a brand new full-length audiobook. It's by Lonnie Ree. It's called Spades Queen. But first, we're going to talk about Mel's raccoon, because I have not gotten the whole story from you. So start from the beginning. Tell me, tell me everything. I haven't had this much drama in forever. And you have, you're, all right, so you can hold up the phone if you want to to show a picture of him or something, but we can okay. also send it to Lola, remember? We can send oh, it to yeah. her and she can put it in the okay. video. Okay, I can definitely do that. But so Saturday, I think it was, my cat was going nuts at the front door. I just thought he was full of energy. But apparently, so I get ready to go for a run and I open my front door and I almost step on a raccoon. And he's not little. I was going to say, you sent me a picture. This, like, I think this is probably the size of a... mm, what do you think? Like a what kind of dog? He's bigger would that than be? my Maine Coon. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, it's like a smallish dog, like bigger than a Pomeranian. I would say He's bigger chubby. than that, like a tiny shepherd, maybe like a small shepherd. This thing was fucking gigantic. 
It was a raccoon. It wasn't a dog, but it was the same size. And I scream, bloody murder. I'm like, ah. And he just kind of looks up at me like, why are you screaming? (laughs) And can I come inside? And I'm looking at this raccoon, and he looks completely healthy, because usually, you know... Oh, he was do. he was thick. That boy was thick, okay? Three C's on him. And so, I shoo him away, because I'm like, he could have rabies, he's acting weird, but he didn't look like it. Mm-hmm. You know that you can kind of see it in the eyes and stuff? So, my dad happens to be outside next door, and I wave him over, and he shoos the raccoon away, which he proceeds to slowly be shooed away... Go down to the nearest tree, turn around, and pow. <laughs> and then he played peekaboo behind the tree. <laughs> Did he really? Yes. And then he climbed up of it, his fat butt in the skinny tree, and sat there. He did. He got in. I cannot, from the picture, I cannot imagine what, how that raccoon could get in a tree, number one. Because that boy was big. <laughs> he was big. He was a big boy. And then, so, he's gone. I think he's gone. And then, so, my husband's nephew lives downstairs. We have another floor down there, but we don't go down there right now because he comes and goes. Mm-hmm. He's, like, 21, so it's kind of, like, trapped off because we're yeah. still in pretty hard quarantine here. Mm-hmm. And he texts my husband at, like, 3 in the morning. He's like, there's a rat coat in my closet, and it stole all my candy. <laughs> What kind of candy is this raccoon eating? I don't know. Eating? I didn't ask for kind of candy. So <laughs> Rob goes Skittles? down there. So Rob goes down there and picks him up. He just picks him up like he's a cat. Are you? He picked up the fucking raccoon? He picked there it up like he's a cat. There's no way on this fucking earth I would touch a raccoon. Let me pick it up because it's going to claw my eyes out. Nope. He said it did not attack him. It did not try to bite him. He seemed scared. Oh. And he's setting back outside. And I think what has happened is we've actually been very lucky. And he's actually pretty lucky once I realized what's going on this week. But um, we usually get like negative 20 around this time of year. Oh, shit. So we just got to like 10 or 5 the other day. And I think he was trying to get warm. Yeah. And I was like, this is somebody's pet. He's trying to get in the house because he's cold. He's not used to the winter. So, finally, after that 3 a.m. thing, I go into the carny group and I post about it. I'm like, is somebody missing a raccoon? So, this is the, this is a group for your city, right? Like a Facebook group for just your town? Yeah. And I let them know I'm out towards the Brooks Farm where everybody knows. So, nobody like in town, town is messaging me about this raccoon because that's just too far. Yeah. I'm out in the country. And, oh, my God, there was so many. I actually got annoyed by the amount of comments and likes. I'm like, you guys don't even do this for cats and dogs. You guys are going nuts over this raccoon. <laughs> he is so cute, though. To be fair, he was a sweet baby. And then finally somebody reached out to me that was realistic. Mm-hmm. She sends me videos, pictures, all this stuff. The raccoon's sitting on her shoulder. She's like, I am two miles directly south of you. Holy shit. I lost my raccoon in October. October? I didn't realize it had been that long. So, but it's been a fairly warm summer or winter for us. Um, like, it's, yeah, it's been pretty for mild. Us. Yeah, yeah, for you guys. And um, she's like, he used to, he goes outside whenever he wanted. And she's like, and one day he just didn't come back. 
Oh, no. So we start comparing the pictures, and it Uh looks like him, and she comes over. A few people come over, because everybody's like, I think it might be mine. And they all agree that it's this Teddy, that's his name, even though we'd been calling him Mo. So wait, so you had several people that came over and told you this is Teddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, 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 no. I had several people come over to check the raccoon. Oh, to that see people if it was there. Do people thought that it was their raccoon? How many people lose raccoons? Is this a fucking know. thing? Well, actually, raccoons are really smart. You can train them, especially if you raise them from birth. Like, if they're a rescue, yeah. they are. But the problem is the bigger they get, the more out of control they get. They start to tear things up. They can use litter. Like I said, they're smart. Mm-hmm. But then they start stealing stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And you'll never find it. <laughs> right and they like shiny stuff so like your diamond mm-hmm. rings and oh things shit like that mm-hmm. so they find things and then they hide it yeah but so she says it's hers but she can't get him to come to her mm-hmm. and i shut the comments off the facebook group it's just going nuts and she's like well i'm gonna she put some stuff down she's like, i'm gonna try and come back later and i'm like okay so i go in the group and i'm like i think i found the owner everybody whatever to stop messaging me. <laughs> but then I get another message. And I can't. Should I read it? Yeah, go for it. Me and this guy got into it. Let me pull it up here. Okay, so this guy messaged me. And he's like, hello there. Just leave him alone and make sure you don't have any food outside for the cats or dogs. Also, keep your trash in the garage and he will leave. It's illegal to keep them in the house or have someone come pick him up. But I had already stated that that kind of happened which it actually really hadn't she hadn't picked him up because she came over played with him and she's like i don't want to scare him because he wouldn't let her pick him up yeah and i said and i responded thanks a woman came and claimed him he was eating out her hand and everything i just want him off my property Mm -hmm. because he wasn't going away we hadn't fed him yeah i mean he stole candy (laughs) but he was looking for warmth like for shelter yes he was looking for shelter definitely And he was like, well, I'm a conservation agent for the Missouri Department of Conservation, and that is illegal. She can't do that. Tell me who took the raccoon. I was like, you messaged me. (laughs) Saying you're this person. I don't know who you are. I don't even know if you're legit. And you want me to give you another woman's name? Fuck off. It's not happening. Fuck off. It's not happening. Oh, my God. I responded with snitches get stitches. And he didn't think that was very funny. <laughs> no, I'm not. Then he says, he said, I'll be there in the morning so we can talk. I said, you, and this is what's funny. I said, better have a warrant or it's trespassing. Don't come on my property without one. He says, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> but what's so funny is I'm going to show you guys the picture. Lola's going to put yeah. it up on the YouTube. I can post it in the group next week, too. My front mat, which I took the picture of the raccoon <laughs> on, says... Come back with a warrant. <laughs> so it's so like clearly you didn't waiting, pick up on the message. You've but been waiting even, your whole life for this. <laughs> and that's not even the worst part. So then he goes to my Facebook, tracks down who my husband is, and calls him. What did your husband say when he received this phone call? <sighs> he said something like, he's like, you better not come over here. He's like, you've been warned. And he's like, well, I can. And He's like, uh, no, you can't. We're not public property. We don't have hunting license on our land. And we're not adjacent to public property. You can't come here. 
because we know the hunting laws because mm-hmm. <laughs> we all hunt but yeah. um and he's like she can't give away that raccoon he's like he, she can't give away a raccoon it's not hers <laughs> i love this i love that there's like there's like a child custody thing happening i know <laughs> but so, i was so mad and i was like you better not come over here with your big dick energy <laughs> Probably with little dick energy. So what so, happened with the raccoon? What happened? I don't know. Maybe somebody came and picked him up, and maybe they didn't. <laughs> but he's no longer as here. Not, as to not incriminate you, we won't say what happened. <laughs> but he's not here. I mm. bet he's somewhere warm and lovely. I bet he is. I bet he's all cozied up by a fire somewhere, getting fed <laughs> little snacks. But that cop never showed up. I think that he thought that I lived close to the road or something, so he yeah. parked. Mm-hmm. And then just walk the like twenty feet, but I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm like blocks back from the road. Yeah. And I have a feeling that I realized who he was too. Mm-hmm. He was actually a coach for one of the soccer teams for the for one of the girls, one oh, of my shit. girls. <laughs> so I was like putting it all together because <laughs> it's a small town. I yeah, may not recognize yeah. your name, but I'll mm-hmm. get your face if I yeah. see your face. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing he reached out to the Frick's farm mm-hmm. and was like, "Who is this?" And they were probably like, don't go over near Corby's house. <laughs> we'll never hear the end of it. Your ass will be in city council I, I wanted to meetings. be like, oh, wait till I tell my dad some man's <laughs> messaging me, talking about he's coming over. Without a warrant. I love this. Oh, <laughs> I was so. like, and then the woman, she's like, I'm so sorry that you're going that they're bothering you or whatever. I'm like, this is the most excitement I've had since quarantine. <laughs> You were so excited when you were telling. You were like, "This is amazing!" (laughs) Yeah, he thought he was like threatening me, and I was scared. I was like, "No, this is exciting. What's next?" (laughs) I want. I just. I have a couple of questions. How does a raccoon stay so chubby after like five, six months away from its owner? Like, how does it stay so chubby? He's just gotten. Well, I read that raccoons like corn, and there's a lot of corn. Mm-hmm. Here. Oh, okay. What if he was like, do you remember the book Charlotte's Web, like Templeton the Rat, when he went to the fair and he just ate and ate and ate until his belly got so big? That's what he did. I want to write a book with a hero named Teddy now. We I, we kind of had one once before, but we need to do we need to do a new one with Teddy the Raccoon. I see. I have a really cute picture of one with a fox. Oh. See, I want to do... I don't know. I want a hero that's chubby and shows up on somebody's doorstep and steals all their candy. (laughs) Yeah, maybe she owns like a candy shop or she works in the candy shop. Did you see that thing in our headquarters group the other day where somebody said, what are all these billionaires doing? Like, what are their jobs? And I said, I feel attacked. Our billionaires are, I was like, our heroes are billionaires at fucking. (laughs) That's what they do. That's how they make their money. (laughs) Oh, God. I know. I love it. I'm always just like, they're in finance. They're investing. I know. That's what somebody said. They're they're CEOs. (laughs) I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't know if I was going to discuss this on the podcast, but so many people have asked me that I'm going to, we're going to talk about it for a little bit, but um, I called you yesterday and I FaceTime, so, um, and I, f- I finished the trilogy last night. So it's the the Filthy Rich Americans by Nikki Sloan. The first book is um, called The Initiation, and Tessa talks about it 
maybe a year or so ago on the podcast. And she finally got the first three books in the series in audio. And they're all narrated by Savannah Peachwood, who I has done. Her. Yeah, who has, she's actually done one of our own audios. She won an Audi, which is like an Oscar for audiobooks. For our book she did with our Karina Press series, the For Her series. I think that was Yeah, it. I, I think, think so. Yeah, that, that like the shorter trilogy or the, the shorter books with the kids. So anyways, so Savannah did all three of these books. And it's the initiation and then the... I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyways, it's a trilogy. The fourth book is called The Redemption. I haven't read it. And I actually messaged Nikki yesterday and I said, is this book going to be an audio? And she said, not for a while. It just got sent to the narrator like this week. And she was like, and that book's huge. So it'll take it a while. She said, but eventually you'll have it. And I was like, okay. I said, I really shouldn't complain. I have it in the ebook already, but I just wanted to ask. So I talked about it a little bit on Instagram. And I know I mentioned it um, last week when I had just started it. I was only a few chapters in. Uh, and I knew what was going to happen in the initiation. So I'll just say for the record, I'm going to say some spoilers that are about to happen. So if you don't want to know, just fast forward a little bit. In this series, as I, in the initiation, she has to uh, lay on a boardroom table and she gets fondled um, by nine of the board members. And one of the board members is her soon to be fiance. And in the room is her father-in-law and her fiance. She barters to get her fiance to take his place so that her, so that her father-in-law does not participate. And that is really the catalyst for McAllister hating her and also wanting her because he wants what he can't have. And he is such a, piece of shit in these books and he doesn't like no does not mean no in these books he's she not says, the hero guys to be clear it's no the he's hero's not dad. yeah so this is the hero's dad and it's like you know as i'm reading it and i think i told you yesterday i said i just hope that there's some sort of ending that makes this okay and it there was a good twist to it at the end to where you find out a little bit because the hero is sort of like he's sort of resigned to it because he's been raised his whole life around with this dad that won't let him have anything that doesn't want him to succeed. It's not, that he doesn't want him to succeed. He doesn't think he'll ever succeed because he's not good enough. So this kid spends his whole life with a dad that anytime he loves something, his dad takes it from him. And as soon as he gets this fiance, you know, his dad starts to take it away from him. And so this son is just resigned to this. So the hero in the book is him. She is so loyal to him and so in love with him. And there's part of the book. I was like, why is she even with, why does she want to be with this guy? You know, but it sort of makes sense. Like as the series progresses. There were the second book, there is a part of it. I was so uncomfortable with it. I could not read it. We got to this point where she is supposed to get out of a maze and they make bets all the time. That's her and her father-in-law. He's like, let's make a deal. If you can do this, then you can have this. Everything's a bargain. So she makes a deal with him and he says, if you can get out of this maze before I catch you, you can have your freedom. But if not, I get my two minutes. You denied me in the boardroom. And he cheats and he catches her. And when he does, she does not want to be touched. She doesn't want him to do these things to her, but she has no choice. If she doesn't do these things, he ruins her family. You know, she kicks, he, he takes away everything that they have. Like she's doing this for them. 
And it's so frustrating because you don't want her to make these choices, but she keeps getting herself in these situations where she thinks she's two steps ahead, but she's five steps behind and he's already beat her and she doesn't see it. And so that, that one part in the maze, I couldn't read it. Everything in my body was cringing and like, I wanted to cry as I was listening to it. I was like, fast forward, fast forward. I can't hear this. And so, and then it happens again in the third book. There's another scene where it's like, he will not leave her alone. He's convinced himself that she loves him. And he's so fucking delusional and on a power trip that he won't, like, she's crying and he's not stopping. And they never have sex or anything like that. He really doesn't ever touch her a lot. He does a little bit, but it's almost like the little bit of touching is almost worse You know, it's like, God, I wish he would just fuck her and get it over with, but they they never do. So it's just, it's part of it is so difficult to read, but then there's other parts of it that are so fucking good. And like, it's so well written that there's this kind of mystery happening and then these great characters and stories that are going on at the same time that I was like, I've got to find out what happens. But as I'm reading it, I'm thinking like, this is why I can't read angsty books. You know, I don't read angsty books anymore because I'm on the edge of my seat. My heart is beating. I'm upset. I'm emotional. And I'm like, I hate all these feelings. She was and so then, emotional. She had to FaceTime. She's like, I'm going to call you. FaceTime was like, you're going to FaceTime me? You were like, you're going to call me on the phone? Like, <laughs> you were so confused. I was like, yes, I have to talk to you about this book. <laughs> But, um, and I couldn't wait until today. And I was like, maybe I won't talk about it on the podcast. And then everybody keeps messaging me on Instagram. They're like, what do you think? Where are you at? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. I, d- I will say like part of me while I was reading, I was like, this is why I write Alexa Raleigh shit. <laughs> because I was so emotional. And I was like, I just want something safe and fluffy right now. Because <laughs> like, I was crying when I'm like reading it. I'm so emotionally fucked up. But I am so glad that I made it to the end because it has a really good ending that explains a lot. And then it sort of leaves you with a cliffhanger on what happens to the dad. And you, I think you even looked it up after we were talking about because his book is called The Redemption. And, and the quote I seen that got me was, yeah, when, when, a bad, when the bad boy is so bad, but he's really good. Yeah, it's like, like it, everybody loves a bad boy that with the that's a good guy. That's secretly a good guy. Yeah, everybody yes. loves a bad boy that's secretly a good guy. So that made me think that there's something bigger going on that he yeah. was doing this fucked up shit for everybody else, even though it yes. made him look terrible. That's the way it sounded yes. to me. I was like, okay, and it looks like he's getting a whole brand new woman. So it wasn't yes. like he's been with anybody mm-hmm. while he's found his love or whatever yes and that's what um I actually I messaged Tessa this morning because I told her I was like hey I finished the book last night you know these are my thoughts on it or whatever and she was like you really need to read the fourth one she said I promise you it explains a lot she said it closes out that chapter of him and her like him trying to be with her she was like it shuts that down like she's like you find out all this new stuff and she was like and there's an age gap between him because he's 50 and she was like, there's a big age gap between him and the girl he's with in that one. And I was like, mm, maybe there's there a secret baby. Oh, no, stop it. <laughs> Today when we got on the podcast, when we got on the podcast, I was talking, I was like, I might have brought a secret baby in. 
Yeah, the book that we're currently writing, it was Mel's turn in the chapter, and she was like, oh, I finished my chapter. She was like, I might have thrown in a secret baby. Like, just out of nowhere. Actually, it could go either way. That's it could go either you. way. <laughs> it's up to me? Oh, okay. <laughs> I like how you left that in my court. No pressure. Yeah, so I, I finished those books, and I think I'm definitely going to read the next one. So I am. I want to know what happens. I'm like, how is this possibly gonna work out you know so yeah. it's not an audio though so i gotta do it the old-fashioned way but obviously. there's nothing more satisfying when you're like oh my god like i remember and yeah. i know i've talked about it multiple times like that mm. Kay webster book that i mm. read the cold queen or something like that yeah like yeah. i didn't like the hero points but then at the end it was like bam 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 mm-hmm. why he was doing these dick things yeah, and i was like yeah. he's the best hero ever <laughs> I so think I'm that's wondering how I if you'll about. get that at the end yeah. of the year. Well, and I felt like I sort of got that at the end with the hero because there was part of me that was just like, why is he not standing up to his dad? Why is he so weak in front of him? Why is he so easily like his he's cold to her, like all this stuff. And so it gets explained a little as it goes. And then you find out that there's all this stuff that's happening behind the scenes that he's been working towards that he can't tell her for this one pivotal moment at the very end. So it, it ends up being really good. And, you know, and sort of the the dad really does get his, what is it, the just desserts or whatever. Like, he, he really his does comeuppance? get his comeuppance or whatever. Comeuppance? Okay. Comeuppance. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But he really does. I mean, he the karma's a bitch in the end for him. And that's what he gets. So I'm anxious to see how that is redeemed. Because, I, I don't know, I... There is, I see the appeal to reading angsty books because it was, it was an emotional roller coaster. And even while I was reading it, I was like, I can't even tell people to read this. I'm so upset. But after it's over, I'm like, God, that was really good. Like, it was written. It was written so fucking good. Like Nikki Sloan, man, if you have not read her, get on it. Cause she like a fucking dynamite writer, dynamite. Just so good. So I'm definitely going to read uh, the next one, so we'll see. I wanted to actually mention something that i seen came out on audio. What? It's called King's Captive by Amber Barden. And I say, oh, no way! Is that on audio now? That's on audio, oh, and that was a book shit. that, like... That like, fucking got whoa! you. You, like, that's lost awesome. your Like, when you start that. to learn... That's another one. You start to yeah. learn what the hero is up to. You're like... The book opens up. Let me give you this opening because it's like the first chapter. Mm-hmm. She's like at, I can't remember if it's a birthday party or tea party or something. And she's with her dad and the hero walks in, points a gun and shoots her dad right in the forehead. And then he's like, get up, we're leaving. And then he takes her to this private island and she has no fucking idea what's going on. Oh, shit. So, and then it oh, all starts to it. unfold. Oh, that just gave me chills. I love it. I love it. But that is on audio, so all you audio people can go pick that up if you want. Fuck yeah, I'm going to get it. Oh, that's so good. It's really good. It was a nice suspense. I remember the the year it came out, I was like, this is one of the best books I've read this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw, um, I posted it a little while ago on Facebook. Amy Poehler, I guess, I don't know if she wrote and directed, but it was like her movie or whatever. I posted the trailer for it, but Amy Poehler is a mom and her daughter's in high school. And I guess Amy was like a big feminist and activist when she was younger. 
And her daughter's like having all these problems in high school. And she's like, I guess she finds all her mom's shit from when she was like an activist and feminist and like protester and all this stuff. And she's like, did you, she was like, do you feel like this did anything? Like, did you, are you glad you did? She's like, yeah, what the fuck else were we going to do? Like, yeah, let's, you know, like fuck the man or whatever. And so the girl in high school, I guess the high school she's at, they rate all the girls, like who has the best ass and who's the hottest and best tits and all this stuff. And then like there's clips as they play, you know, cause this is a trailer and there's one clip where like they send the girl home cause she's got a tank top. And she was like, you're seriously sending me home because I got a tank top when that guy over there is shirtless, you know, and it was like all these double standards and the, her Amy Poehler's daughter is like getting angrier and angrier. And so she ends up like one of the girls at school, this dude keeps fucking with her and she goes to the office and she's like, I told him to stop touching me. He won't stop touching me. And she's like, oh, the teacher's like, just ignore it. And she's like, it's harassment. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You say harassment. I got to do paperwork. So it's it's kind of like a dark comedy sort of thing. But so to Amy Poehler's daughter is like telling the new girl, she's like, just keep your head down. They'll leave you alone. He'll move on to the next one. And the girl, like she's a young black girl. And she's like, no, I'm keeping my head up. And like, that's it. And so, and it gets to the girl and she's like, she's right. Fuck it. She's right. And so she writes a school paper and it's called Moxie. And it's like, they're calling out all the dudes. Like there's, it's saying like, this is bullshit. Like what's going on? There's like, they're putting stickers on dudes lockers that say I'm an asshole. And then it's like, uh, it's just like major girl power. And then one part on the thing, it says, if you're an ally, draw stars on your hands. And so they're going around the school and they're seeing all these girls with stars on their hand. All of a sudden, like this dude hands her something and he's got stars on his hands and he like hands her something and he looks at her and he just kind of like chin up or whatever. And he walks away and the girl beside her is like, that's sexy as fuck. <laughs> and it was like, yes. So I need, you need to go watch it. Like after this, go to my Facebook. Okay. I'm, we do movie night every Friday and I'll, what well, was it, it called again? It's on net. It's on Netflix. It comes out March third, so you have oh, to okay. wait a little while. But it just looks so fucking badass, feminist. There's bitches. nothing like, hotter. Um, I remember one day, my husband got in an argument with somebody, and he was all like, "All of a sudden, I hear him yell, you don't tell my wife what to do with her ovaries.'" I was like, "Damn, what's going on? <laughs> we discussing my ovaries in there." <laughs> like, I don't even get that heated about them. <laughs> I know. I just, I love that clip, though, where he had the stars on his hand. I was like, fuck, yeah. And she's like, that's sexy as fuck. But yeah, um, I know it's, it, I love seeing movies like that. And I think I even said when I posted it, I was like, I love this. Burn it down. <laughs> like, burn it, all of it down. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of exciting. So, if you got, it's called Moxie. So, if you guys listening, uh, go check it out. I, I just looked at, it was shared on Facebook. So, I'm sure you can look it up somewhere. I'll try to find the video and post it in headquarters because it was so good. So, we're here for Lonnie Ree and Spades Queen. Let's talk about her for a little bit. So, all right. So, I pulled up Lonnie's book bio and it says, Lonnie Ree is a very busy mom of six. What? Six? I was like, who? is writing this much with six fucking kids i know she's like apparently she's just a super mom so is a very busy mom of six who loves to read and she finds that it helps her escape the chaos of everyday life you don't you say. fucking bet <laughs> she likes quick reads that are red hot and on the excessive side writing has also been a passion of hers and lonnie decided to share the stories floating around in her mind her short, steamy stories have a tiny bit of suspense and are a little over the top because she believes reading should be an escape from real life. 
Her books always have a happy ever after, guaranteed. So this book that we're listening to today is called Spades Queen, and I'll read you the book bio. I run my own little kingdom with my three best friends, Wild Aces. One look at her and I take a blow right to the chest. I'm not even sure she's real. As my world instantly changes, everything in the room disappears except for her. Jay Spade. I have one little problem. It's obvious she's too young to be in my bar. My heart doesn't care. This girl belongs to me and I'll find a way to deal with the obstacles. I'm not thinking clearly when I leave her alone in my office. Why didn't I get her name? My little spitfire disappears into the night, taking my heart with her. Danny. That was close. I'm never letting my friends talk me into sneaking into bars again. Between college classes and my job at the local coffee shop, I don't have time to spend a weekend in jail. Although the hot bar owner did make my plan, did make my palms sweaty and my heart race. Too bad he was about to have me locked up. After weeks of searching, a chance meeting brings Danny back to Spade's life. This time, he won't let her slip away. He's going to fight for his girl and make her his queen. If you like the over-the-top insta-love romance with a little bit of humor, this short romance is the perfect story for you. <laughs> this book bio is specifically written for Alexa Riley. I love it. <laughs> so we're just so thankful that Lonnie gave us Spades Queen and she's on the podcast with us this week. And follow us on Instagram and on Facebook so you can see all of her stuff. We're going to share it throughout the week. Um where to find her and what books and all that good stuff. So what is it you, oh, we were talking about that. I want to say this before we go into her chapter. If you guys are not subscribed to the newsletter, go to readmeromance.com, sign up for it. And it really helps. There'll be a link in this too. Oh yeah. If you go down to the show notes, we'll put the link for the newsletter in there. Um, That helps us keep the podcast going. And if you like full length, brand new stories, uh, this is what helps keep that happening. So we appreciate any kind of support and just signing up for the newsletter is a big part of that. So we're going to play the first installment of Spades Queen. We're going to listen to a couple chapters a day and then you'll get the second half on Thursday. So we'll see you guys in just a second. 209 Wedding Lane by Lucy Darling, a Cherry Falls Romance. I was a child groom. It's not how it sounds. I was a willing groom to a sweet little girl who said she was dying. Her final wish was to get married, and I was all too happy to grant it. So right there in the hospital, two kids got hitched. It was the best day of my young life, until I couldn't find her, until she was gone. It broke my heart. She took the pieces with her. I got older, but I never forgot about the little girl with the innocent smile and face of an angel. I had no idea when I took her hand that day she would guide me down a path to greatness. Then I found her. She was alive and in Cherry Falls. I knew I had to have her to keep her safe and make her mine. I just have to convince my wife to do me the honor of becoming my bride once again. I got married when I was a kid, when I didn't know what love really meant. But now I do, and I'm never going to let it go. That's 209 Wedding Lane by Lucy Darling. It's a Cherry Falls romance. Go grab it now in Kindle Unlimited. This is Spade's Queen, Wild Aces Book One by Lonnie Ree. Read for you by Veronica Fox. One. Jace. There's a knock on my office door, and I debate ignoring it. Before I make up my mind, Link pops his head in. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. He rubs the back of his neck. There's a fucking problem brewing. 
Since it's his night to deal with issues, I know whatever has forced him to bother me is probably going to turn this annoying throb at my temples into a damned migraine. Can I get one easy fucking Saturday night at Wild Aces? Looking over at my club manager and one of my three business partners, I shake my head. Isn't it your turn to deal with shit? He shrugs as he steps into the room. Link has been my best friend since grade school. He knows my bullshit tolerance is zero. This delicate situation requires your expertise. When he wiggles his eyebrows, I flip him off. Fuck me. Standing, I grab my black jacket and pull it over my white dress shirt. What happened now? He walks out into the dimly lit hallway and I follow him while he explains. Dumbass is letting his dick run the door again instead of his brain. Fuck. Dumbass is our new bouncer, Lenny. He must be allowing underage girls in the bar again. After catching him the first time, we had a meeting and warned the stupid fuck he wouldn't get a third chance. I'm the partner that deals with employee relations, and I'm about to cut this fucker off at the knees. Cursing under my breath, I head to the bar entrance to fire his ass like I should have done two weeks ago. I knew keeping the little shit was a bad idea, but I fell for his sob story. Now, my good deed has come back to bite me in the ass. Before I make it to the front of the bar, I see our other partner, Ryan, heading toward us. He stops me and points with his head. First things first, you might want to deal with the little miss who's about to cause a riot in here. I follow his line of sight and... Fuck. I take a blow right to the chest. I'm not sure she's real. Everything in the room except for her disappears. Dark red curls fan wildly around her delicate heart-shaped face. There are freckles dotting her cheeks and running across her button nose, and I'm tempted to place a kiss on each one as I count them. And her eyes? They're a deep emerald green that is almost too stunning to be real. When she glances at me shyly and bites her plump bottom lip, my cock nearly bursts through the front of my jeans. She's wearing a tiny, tight-ass dress stretched over her abundant curves, and I fear it's going to give up and rip right down the middle at any second. There's a little shit sitting far too close to her, and the urge to pick him up by the neck and toss him out roars through me. Groaning, I realize dumbass has caused a ton more trouble than Link first thought. He's changed my entire life. After introducing myself, I plan to make a few things clear to my little doll. First, no other men, and second, she's going to be covering her luscious ass before leaving the house. I'll take care of her. I peel my eyes from her and turn to Ryan. You find someone to work the door and bring the dead fucker to your office. He looks confused for a second as I call over my shoulder while walking away. My office will be occupied. Storming toward my future, I wonder if I should give Lenny a bonus before I fire him. After all, he brought this doll into my life. She turns and sees me moving through the bar, making my way to her table. As I near the booth, her green eyes darken, and the little asshole next to her stops talking. Stepping close enough to smell her sweet, tempting fragrance, 
I lean down and growl next to her ear. I need to speak to you. Watching her delicate throat as she swallows is enough to nearly cause me to come. Fuck. Now wait, the asshole sputters and I glare at him. I lean over my doll and growl in his face. I wasn't talking to you. Uh, she says breathily against my throat, sending hunger shooting through me. I haven't done anything wrong. Her smoky voice finishes me off. I'm caught, hooked, reeled in. Ignoring the other man, I take her soft hand in mine and pull her from the booth. I hear the little shit sputtering behind me as we walk away and ignore him. Holding her much smaller body close, I lead her up the stairs to my office. We pass by Ryan's door and there's loud arguing coming from the other side. First, I'll deal with my girl and then I'll worry about dumbass Lenny. After shutting the door, I point at the black leather sofa. Have a seat. My doll bites that poor, abused lip, then follows my command. Look, she's breathing hard, and I see a bead of sweat rolling down her long neck. I haven't done anything wrong, she repeats shakily, and I stare at her juicy lips, tempted to walk over and cover them with mine. Shaking my head, I try to bring my crazy ass under control. I've never felt these insane emotions before, and they're freaking me the fuck out. Stalling, I slowly walk around my desk. After discreetly adjusting myself, I sit and lean my elbows on the antique wood, silently thanking God for the cover it offers. My cock has been hard and ready since the moment I laid eyes on this girl. I stare silently at her for a few minutes, trying to get my equilibrium back. It's a lost cause, and I give up and raise an eyebrow. May I see your ID? There's no way she's 21. I plan to discover everything about this girl, but I doubt she'll tell me her real name at this point. She bites her abused bottom lip again and swallows. I left it at home. I stare at her for several seconds, then run my hand on the front of my face. We're going to have to work on her lying to me, too. The blush moving steadily up her alabaster skin tells me the truth that her lips won't. The urge to spank her luscious ass roars through me as I lean back in my chair and stare at my doll. Raising an eyebrow, I scold. You shouldn't be in my club without an ID. I stare into her scared eyes and sigh. Let's start with your name. Tears spring to her eyes and my heart twists in my chest. Before she's able to respond, there's a knock at my door and Link pushes in. Sorry to interrupt, but we need you in Ryan's office. Fucking hell. Taking a deep breath, I walk to the door. I turn to my doll and stare into her terrified green eyes. Wait here. We'll figure this out. One of the backup bouncers is standing outside the door and I order him to make sure she doesn't leave. As I follow Link down the dimly lit hallway... My chest squeezes and I have the urge to turn around. I usually listen to my instincts and I have a feeling I'll regret ignoring them in a few minutes. Two. Danny. I can't believe you made it out of there without going to jail and didn't call me. Tim hisses as he sits next to me, 
Half the accounting class students turn to look at us and I cringe. Keep your voice down, I growl back at my friend. When he asked me to go out to Wild Aces with him, I knew it was a terrible idea. When I mentioned wanting to see the inside of the hottest club in town, Tim assured me we would get in without any problems. His friend Lenny works the door Saturday nights. Maybe if you'd stuck around, you'd have known what happened. I shrug and he groans. I still can't believe I said yes to his crazy scheme. I must have been off my rocker last week when he approached me. Too many late nights studying combined with working extra shifts at all the steam have turned my mind to jello. I nearly found too much trouble to handle at Wild Aces, and he was hot as hell. Seven feet tall and breathing fire. By some stroke of luck, the manager got called away before he could turn me into the cops. After he left the room, the opportunity to escape dropped into my lap when the big jerk guarding the door rushed away to break up a fight. I hightailed it out of Wild Aces like my butt was on fire and ran for three blocks before pausing to call an Uber to take me home. I won't ever pull a stunt like that again. My mother would never forgive me for getting arrested. We're barely keeping our heads above water now. Bail money isn't in the Robertson budget. I completely regret this whole situation. The professor walks in and begins lecturing, giving me a break from Tim. After class ends, he follows me out into the hall and asks, are you mad at me? I shrug and answer him honestly. I'm not happy. He's two years older and wilder than me. This is the last time I let him talk me into doing something stupid. My mind is preoccupied during my next two classes and I end up skipping my third. I'll text a classmate and beg for notes since being there in this frame of mind is a waste of time. The buses are running late and I'm not paying attention and end up missing my stop. Fuck my life. It ends up taking twice the time to make my way home. After slapping together a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I sit in front of the television and watch a mindless show. I'm dozing off a little later when my phone buzzes with a text. I glance down to read it, and relief flows through me. One of my coworkers called in sick. A couple of extra hours at the coffee shop will get my mind off my troubles and add a few dollars to my checkbook. Over the next few weeks, I avoid Tim like the plague. Our friendship will never be the same. I'm not sleeping, and eating is nearly impossible, and it's all because of my naughty mind. When I fall asleep at night, images of the hot club manager doing all kinds of filthy things to me fill my dreams, things I've never experienced in real life. Dirty images torment my sleep, causing me to wake up crabby and unfulfilled. One morning, I stand in my shower after a night of particularly naughty dreams and decide I need to do something to relieve this tension. I run my finger lightly over my clit while picturing his bright blue eyes staring down at me. As I gently rub, I imagine it's his touch. I slip my fingertip into my wet center and press a little harder on my clit. The orgasm I've been craving all night long finally crashes through me, and I sag against the chilly tile wall. Coming satisfies my body, but my mind is still clouded with turmoil. I spend the rest of the day feeling like there's something about to happen.
A few months ago, Skylar, my older sister, moved to Chestnut Landing, Vermont. She thought she was moving there for the job of a lifetime, but soon discovered the position never existed. She had fallen for a scam run by a lowlife creep looking for pretty girls to work at his sleazy strip club. She scrambled to find another job and ended up begging her former boss for her old position back. Luckily, she can do online insurance billing from anywhere, since she's already signed a year-long lease on a house in the small town. Mom and I miss her like crazy, but we know she's happy across the county. She met the love of her life, who just happens to be a hot doctor, and they're talking about making things permanent. Our small cottage is one big room with a bedroom on each side. It's an open floor plan that consists of a living room with a breakfast bar that faces the minuscule kitchen. I'm sitting on the sofa doing my homework when my mom's screech fills the whole house. I wait impatiently for her to hang up the phone and she comes racing into the room. Skylar and Gage got married today! While I'm incredibly happy for my sister, a tiny part of me is jealous. Once mom goes to bed, I decide to take another drive to clear my head since my shower this morning didn't really help. This has been my nightly ritual. Cruise around town until I'm too tired to keep my eyes open, then fall into bed and have naughty dreams about the club manager, only to wake up hot, bothered, and crabby. The next day, I drag my exhausted, cranky ass into all the steam. Good morning, sunshine. Molly greets me as I walk in the door. My boss is the sweetest woman I've ever met. She owns this coffee shop slash bakery with her husband, Barrett, who is a retired NFL player and coach. They're the cutest couple and wonderful employers. The morning flies by and one of my coworkers calls in sick. When Molly glances over at me and pouts, I can't refuse her and end up agreeing to stay late. It's early evening and the coffee shop is mostly empty. The bell over the door rings and I look up to see my mother, sister, and a hot guy walk in. Wow, if that's my sister's husband, she caught herself one fine doctor. Sky! I rush over and throw my arms around my sister. When people see us standing side by side, they always doubt we're sisters. Skylar has an olive skin tone, caramel-colored hair, and dark brown eyes, while I have a pale complexion and deep auburn hair. The freckles running along my cheeks and my bright emerald green eyes give me the girl-next-door look, not to mention my extra curvy body. I heard you stayed out a little late last night. Skylar squeezes me and frowns. I lean against my sister and glare at mom for a moment before shrugging. You guys like to forget that I'm 19 years old. I guess she does realize I'm taking the car out at night. I'm an adult. I huff before walking over and hugging my new brother-in-law. Then I look way up. Darn, I'm only five foot two. He's a giant. Since my rude sister won't introduce us, I'm Danny. The bell hanging on the front door rings behind us, and an irate growl bounces around the room. Get your fucking hands off her. Oops, I hear that deep voice every night in my dreams. Gage releases me, and we both turn to find the bar manager standing in the doorway glaring at us. Yikes, he looks pissed. Oh God, I hope I'm not about to go to jail. 
there's only one way to handle this. Go on the offensive. Who do you think you are? I storm over to him and poke his chest. His aqua blue eyes turn to ice as he glares at my brother-in-law. Gage swallows and holds his gaze for a moment before stepping between us and extending his hand. I'm Gage Snow, Danny's brother-in-law. I hold my breath as his eyes narrow. He ignores my brother-in-law's hand and looks over Gage's head at me. Darn, he's hot and tall. Is your name Danny? His voice causes me to melt from the inside out. There's no way I can let this continue. If he discovers I'm only 19, my house of cards will implode. Pain slashes through my heart as I force myself to put on the biggest performance of my life. I shrug and step closer to the man who makes my heart race and my body heat. Electricity shoots through my body as I press against his chest. None of your business. Now, get lost. If Danny doesn't want to talk to you, then you need to leave. Gage growls behind me, and my heart warms and breaks simultaneously as the big jerk turns and storms out the door. I have a whole new family member, while part of my soul just slammed his way out of my life. Girl, hiring you was the best thing I ever did. Molly walks over and drapes her arm around my shoulder. Book Club Tuesdays are so much better, and you're a constant source of entertainment. Then Molly turns to Gage and smiles. That was the bravest thing I've ever seen. She holds out her hand for him to shake and introduces herself. The rest of the afternoon, I attempt to act normal, but my mind is on the giant with black hair and startling blue eyes, who has the ability to make my heart race and my body melt. Three. Jace. Three weeks ago, I walked into my office and found it empty. The woman who captured my heart on sight had escaped. After nearly going insane, I ripped through the fucking place looking for my doll, but she was nowhere to be found. When I left her alone to go deal with Lenny, my mind was consumed with thoughts of her, and I wasn't thinking clearly. I paid for my mistake. I stupidly left the room without asking her real name. In the end, I did what any man crazy in love would do. I hired an investigator to find my little underage heart thief. I only pray she's over 18. Now, that investigator still doesn't have jack shit. Not a clue where to find my doll. I'm about ready to explode. Visions of fucking her tight pussy fill my dreams nightly, and sleeping has turned into torture. I wake up angry, horny, covered in sweat, and fearful I'll never find my girl. Part of me worries that I instantly fell for someone so much younger, but deep in my heart, I have no doubt that she's my soulmate. I need to find my doll to figure this entire mess out. Then I plan on handcuffing her luscious body to my bed. She isn't ever escaping me again. After another sleepless night, I work around the house most of the afternoon. It's my turn to deal with the issues at Wild Aces tonight, but I don't feel my usual excitement for the job. The four of us opened the club eight years ago, and it became my sole focus. I never imagined I could ever love anything more than Wild Aces. Meeting my doll, 
prove me wrong. She's overtaken a large part of my brain and my entire heart. Now I'm determined to find her. Needing artificial motivation, I stop at the little coffee shop down the road from my club on my way to work. Pushing open the door, I feel like I've been hit between the eyes with a two-by-four. There's some asshole hugging my doll. Get your fucking hands off her! I roar as a red haze settles over my vision. This isn't the way I wanted our reunion to happen. The situation doesn't play out the way I envisioned in my many dreams, and I realize cutting my losses and leaving is the best thing to do. I know where my girl works and at least have her first name. Even my loser investigator, Rick, should be able to discover something with that information. I text him the second I walk through my office door, and he promises to get back to me with more information soon. For the rest of the night, I'm useless. Link finally throws in the towel and orders me to call in a night. Go home, he growls after walking in the door and dropping down on my sofa. Excuse me? I look up from the spreadsheet I've been staring at for the last hour. Get your ass out of here, he sighs. You're just wasting the oxygen in this place right now. He throws his arm over the back of the sofa and shrugs. It's been a quiet night. Go ahead and go. God, I appreciate my best friend. Thank you. I lean back in my chair and stare at the ceiling. He laughs. But if I ever fall in love, promise me you'll shoot me. I glare at him for a minute before pushing back and slowly rising. I might shoot you anyway. Link rolls his eyes as he follows me out of my office. You need to find this girl and put us all out of our misery. I call over my shoulder without looking back. I'm working on it. The next morning, I'm staring out my kitchen window when I receive a text message. The investigator has all the information about my girl, and he's emailing it to me. Hurrying to the office, I click through the email before rushing upstairs to shower and dress. Today, I'm getting my girl. After parking in front of her small cottage, I walk up to the door. I'm not happy with the neighborhood, and I plan to work on changing things real soon. The houses are old and tiny but well-kept, and the streets are overcrowded with vehicles. I ring the doorbell and wait. There's movement and then a gasp behind the door. Danny, open the door, now. Shock shoots through me when she pulls the door wide open. Fuck, this girl is trying to give me a heart attack. As my cock turns rock hard, I growl, step back. The tiny pink shorts don't come close to covering her luscious ass, and the outline of her pussy lips is clearly visible beneath the thin satiny material. Cum drips down my leg and I groan while taking in the rest of her stunning body. The see-through tank top shows off her berry-colored nipples perfectly. All of my blood rushes straight from my head to my dick, and I mumble, what the hell are you thinking opening the door in your underwear? I walk past her into the room and spin around as she slams the door behind us. Excuse me? You demanded that I open the door. Her beautiful emerald eyes widen innocently, and the urge to spank her ass until it glows red shoots through me. As she stares at me with her hands on her curvy hips, the desire to kiss her is almost too much to resist. 
In the back of my mind, I know we have a ton of talking to do, but my dick is begging me to skip the words and move straight to the consummating. You have ten seconds to cover up before I lose control. My fucking filter is connected to the unreasonable part of me. As her eyes widen, her luscious lips form a perfect O, and she rushes away. I hear her moving around in the bedroom and drop down on the sofa to wait for her. A few minutes later, she returns wearing yoga pants and a t-shirt. I notice she pulled her curly red hair back from her face in a messy bun. After staring at me for a few seconds, she sits next to me on the sofa and places her hands in her lap. Biting her lip, she asks, how did you find me? It wasn't hard. I knew your first name and where you worked. She swallows and fidgets while I explain. A little digging, and I had all the information I needed. Danny hops up and begins to pace the floor. She turns to me with tears in her eyes. Are you going to have me arrested? I see a slight tremor in her hands, and the urge to reassure her runs through me. Walking over, I lean down to look into her eyes. Doll, hurting you would kill me. I've been looking for you because you stole my heart. Shock flashes in her green eyes for a moment before she drops back on the sofa and stares up at me. Wow. After sitting down next to her, I take her soft hand in mine and bring it to my mouth. I run my lips over her delicate palm and then smile. We need to have a long talk. Four. Jace. Finding out my girl is 19 should cool my jets a little, but it doesn't. I'm already in too deep with her. After she explains about Lenny's fucking dickhead friend convincing her to sneak into Wild Aces, I nearly lose my mind. The whole situation makes my blood boil. I wonder how many other underage girls the dipshit let in before we fired him. Telling myself I'll worry about that tomorrow, I enjoy my time with Danny. I spend the evening with my girl and we make plans to see each other later in the week. Leaving her at the end of the night sends a sharp pain straight through the center of my chest, but I know this relationship is long term. She's the one and I'll do whatever it takes to build a solid foundation. It kills me to think of waiting three days to see her, but she has two tests, and I have too many headaches at Wild Aces to count. I promise my girl will take things slow. Then I head home to spend the night missing her and dreaming about our future. After calling a meeting with my three partners to discuss the situation... Link, Ryan, and Vince all stare at me in shock after I repeat Danny's story. Now, let me get this shit straight. Vince pinches the bridge of his nose. The dumbass was letting any hot chick in whether she was 21 or not? He looks around the table and everyone stares back, shocked. What the fuck? Link asks. I walk over to the refrigerator in the corner of the meeting room and grab a bottle of water. Turning around, I shrug. We need to change our hiring policies. I sit back down. Call an employee meeting and stress our rules for checking IDs. We decide to hire a security firm to install better cameras and to send in decoys to test our bouncers. 
I say we hunt down Lenny and break both his legs. Ryan shrugs to send a message. After talking Ryan off the ledge, we split up the extra duties and make plans for the week. This little fucker is costing us time and money, and I intend to make him pay, but legally. He won't find another job in this state anytime soon. I don't last more than two days without seeing my girl. This morning, I called her and begged her for an evening together, even if we only sit and watch movies. As I walk up to Danny's door, anticipation courses through me. She's been on my mind all day long. Each moment I spent without seeing her felt like an eternity. After knocking, I look around and wait impatiently. The door swings open and an older woman smiles at me. Hello, you must be Jace. She's vaguely familiar, but I don't remember where I've seen her. I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to meet the other day at all this steam. Fuck, my caveman display comes back to haunt me. I apologize, Mrs. Robertson. I hold out my hand for her to take. I'm usually more level-headed. As she mumbles something under her breath and steps back, I hope I haven't made a horrible lasting impression on my future mother-in-law. Oh, please, call me Ellie, and don't worry. She smiles. I'm sure my daughter gave you a good reason to act like that. Then she points into the tiny living room. Why don't you make yourself at home? Danny could be a while. After sitting on the sofa, I look down at my watch and realize I'm a few minutes early. My doll comes rushing out of her room, pulling a sweatshirt over her head. You're early, she smiles. And I'm running late as usual. As she chatters on about working late and the bus running behind schedule, I sit next to her on the sofa and relax. Pulling her soft body close to mine, we snuggle and decide to watch a movie. About halfway through the show, she completely melts into me. When I glance at her and see she's sound asleep, I hug her luscious body to me and warn my fucking cock to calm the hell down. Staring off into space, I enjoy the time with my girl. When the ending credits play, I realize I can't put off leaving any longer. I gently run a finger over her silky cheek and place a soft kiss on her nose. Doll. Her beautiful eyes slowly blink open when I smile down at her. I hate to leave, but it's late. She stretches like a little kitten, and my cock weeps. I'm a horrible date. Her sleepy voice sends hunger shooting through me. I'm unable to stop myself from covering her lips with mine. As she groans in the back of her throat, I trace her juicy bottom lip with my tongue. When she shyly opens for my exploration, I run my tongue around the inside of her mouth, getting my first taste of her. The slight sting of her sharp nails digging into the back of my neck is like a bucket of ice water hitting me in the face. Remembering my promise, I force myself to pull back before laying my forehead against hers. This has been the best night of my life. I sigh and kiss her nose. Tomorrow night I work at the club. Do you have any free time in the afternoon to meet? She debates for a second and scrunches up her nose. I work all afternoon. After kissing her soft lips again, I smile down at her. I'll stop by and see you at all the steam on my way to the club. Her eyes light up as she follows me to the door. I'll see you tomorrow.
I kiss her one more time before I'm able to stop myself and then rush out to my SUV. The entire way home, thoughts of Danny consume my mind, and I wonder if asking her to marry me after one week is rushing things. I find a way to see my doll for a little bit the next day. Knowing I've found my soulmate is both frustrating and exhilarating, and makes me feel like I'm living on a roller coaster. Having grown up in foster care, I've never had a family of my own, except for my three best friends. Meeting Danny has changed my entire existence. Ryan sticks his head in my office. The cameras are up and running. I'll keep you updated on any developments. As he walks away, the irony of the situation hits me. As head of security, Ryan handles most of our problems. But all through college, me, Vince, and Link spent half our time keeping Ryan out of trouble. By the time we graduated with business degrees and decided to open the club, he had cleaned up his hard partying ways and became the most dependable of all of us. For the last eight years, Wild Aces has been outrageously successful. We're also completely above board. I lean back in my chair and stare out the one-way glass. I'm able to see most of the club from my office, and everything appears to be running smoothly tonight. The evening starts out without any issues, but after the place fills up, I spend the rest of the night putting out the usual fires. Two servers call in sick, one underage girl tries hard to get past the front door, and a drunk asshole makes a fool out of himself. Just another typical Friday night at Wild Aces. After we close the club at 2 a.m., I rush home and drop into bed. Between my crazy work hours at the club and maintaining a somewhat normal life, I usually only get about six hours of sleep. Tonight I'm cutting it down to four. I want to spend the day with my girl, and I'm not letting anything stand in my way. Mask of Honor by Sharon Burns, a historical novel of the American South. Set in 1816 and based on the true story of the rivalry between two Virginia gentlemen, an epic tale of romance, politics, ambition, and power. In this tale set in the early 19th century America, two sons of the Virginia aristocracy risk it all to defend their dreams and determine their own destinies. General Armistad Mason and John Jack Mason McCarthy are brothers-in-law, second cousins, and descendants of founding father George Mason IV. Armistad, by nature a politician, demands respect and strives for perfection. Jack, by inclination, is a rover, looks to forge his own path. When Armistad is challenged by corruption in the political machine and is denied a seat at the U.S. Congress, the two become embroiled in a bitter dispute that sets in motion a revocable chain of events, leading them to a dueling grounds and an outcome that changes everything. Based on historical events of the 1819 Mason-McCarthy duel, Mask of Honor is a story of courage, conviction, and the cost of sacrificing one life to forge another. Mask of Honor by Sharon Verts, a historical novel of the American South. Grab it now. Welcome back. Hey. How about that first installment? <laughs> I think everybody's really enjoying it. I enjoyed it when I read it. It yeah. gave me a little bit of everything I wanted. It's perfect. It's perfect. What What about this is wrong? Nothing. <laughs> well, I guess that's all we have for today. Like I said, sign up for the newsletter, follow us on social media, and join our Facebook group. I will mention that B Minor Else is on sale. 
this yes, whole month Alexa for Yes, Alexa has cents. the Valentine book. Be Mine or Else is on sale this month for 99 cents. So grab that. And also go on to Alexa Riley's Instagram page. We are doing giveaways all month long in February with um, Black Romance authors. We're giving away sign books. And then we're giving away products from Black-owned businesses that we love. So make sure you check that out and enter to win. We Sounds will see good. you guys Thursday. Yes. All right. Oh, tell Wait. them what to do. <laughs> Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.